0: So we ended up taking him to a private school and paying out of pocket to a school that did one-on-one teaching. He was very smart and the teachers loved him, but still he had the trouble with his migraines and missing school and and us then having to pay extra because if you miss then you still have to pay for that class because you know what I mean?
1: Welcome to the Crossing It Off Podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you are actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. My name is Roger Williams, and as the host of this show, I will be interviewing guests, people just like you, that are crossing items off their own bucket list. My hope is that by hearing these stories, you will be inspired and empowered to cross items off your own bucket list when you find something impactful for your journey we invite you to share the episode with one other person and leave an honest rating or review of the show this is an amazing way for you to gift those feelings of inspiration and joy to others now let's start crossing it off together Welcome everybody to another episode of the Crossing Off Podcast. I am excited to get to talk to my guest today. Her name is Kit O'Malley and she describes herself as a mother, a wife, an author, and an advocate. Kit, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, Kit, tell us what did you cross off your bucket list?
0: I sent or kicked out my high needs kid <laughs> sent him off to college.
1: All right, so high needs, let's start there. Go back and tell us this is probably your son's origin story more than anything, but we'll yeah, get to, we'll get to how it you connect to it. But tell us a little about these needs that he had and and how you kind of dealt with them through early adolescence and and teenage years.
0: Yeah, well, actually, he started when he was really young like toddler. He had uh, migraines that we didn't realize were migraines. um, And they were severe gastrointestinal migraines. And then, and then he had anxiety and depression that kind of tie into that. It's kind of like all tangled up together. And he had ADHD. So he was starting in preschool. um, He started to get or actually in daycare he started to get labeled as a bad kid, Mm. problem kid, because he would get overstimulated and act out. Um, And then he would start laughing because he felt uncomfortable with the what he had done. And then Mm. people thought he didn't have morals because, but it was really a defense mechanism. And it was just, it was painful. I was a former clinician of children. And so I knew he wasn't a bad kid. (laughs) Right, I knew it was, So uh, yeah, so I actually started intervening with him when he was four years old. We took him to a child psychologist and that didn't seem to be helping. Um, He was still acting out actually to the extent to which he had a broomstick and was chasing me around and hitting me with it. And I barricaded myself in the bedroom, called his child psychologist crying and said, is there a return policy?
1: Yeah, do I get a refund (laughs) on this?
0: Can I get I? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she said, no, you can't return them. Uh, I'll get you in to see an excellent child psychiatrist. tomorrow. Mm. So we got him first. He was diagnosed and medicated for impulse, intermittent impulse control disorder. So actually he was put on an antipsychotic to start off with just to get his behavior under control, which is sort of the opposite of what's usually done. And then when that stopped working, then they started then they started to treat him for ADHD with stimulants, and that worked. But of course, the stimulants wear off. So every evening, when the stimulants wear off, you've got a Tasmanian devil mm-hmm. in the house, you know. So um, so he was really challenging, but it wasn't. He didn't want to be behaving that way, and I knew that he did not want to be behaving that way. Um, and so I just did everything I could to help him you know, definitely didn't raise him the way other people necessarily thought we should. I mean, we were definitely, you know, we took him to a psychiatrist as a (laughs) family. And then I just as a mom, when my husband's work schedule wouldn't allow. And, you know, we worked really hard to help him.
1: Describe what some of those things are that you did differently than what most people would have prescribed you to do.
0: Right. So most people thought he was indulged and that he had control over us and that we Mm -hmm. should discipline him more severely. And severe discipline didn't work. It wasn't, you know, if you took things away from him, he didn't care. It wasn't, he, he wasn't behavioral modification did not work with him. Basically, empathy worked with him. Hmm. And, and understanding that and communicating and involving him in it, in a conversation from a very young age, worked with him because he did not want to be acting that way. I still set limits, you know, there still were consequences, sure. but they were not as they were not, um, you know, sort of, if a then b sort of consequences, not black, and, um, not black it, and white, or it wasn't yeah. exactly it was sort of take the situation and do what's called for in the situation. And I luckily been trained that way as a psychotherapist. When I worked with in residential treatment, I worked under a moral development model where each kid was sort of, you know, you tailored your discipline to the needs of the kid and the kid was involved in the discipline.
1: So how did that um, manifest itself? As it started, you started going into the high school years and that's when everybody starts thinking about college. What, What was his life like during that time period? And what was the conversation like about this process of potentially leaving this structure home and going to college?
0: Yeah. Well, actually for him, everything fell apart in high school Mm. because he was a gifted student earlier. If he, when he met left, couldn't go to school because of migraines. And then after a migraine, then he'd get anxiety and social anxiety. It was just, you know, so he'd be absent a lot. So he'd have all these absences, more than the allowed absences, and I'd have to take him to the doctor and the doctor would write a, a, you know, thing and, you know, constantly going to the doctor, constantly getting doctor's notes, and then being called into the principal's office the day after he had been awarded for getting a 4.0 GPA. So, So, and they tended not to offer services to kids who were gifted. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, the yeah. services that they offered were ridiculous. Like, well, he could have a trash can next to him, you know, like in terms of accommodations to throw up into. I'm like, yeah, a teenager doesn't want to do that. So in high school, he was in like, IB, you know, inter, uh, bac- baccalaureate. International IB, baccalaureate. International yeah. baccalaureate yeah. and AP, advanced placement classes. So you can't really miss miss classes in mm. those classes.
1: No, they're tough. So,
0: so it just fell apart. And also, my mother got a stroke, and my father had dementia. And then my mother, after a stroke, had dementia. And he was very close to them, and we lived close to them geographically. So that was another hard thing for him. And that was in his freshman year. So then we tried. Uh, so the public school didn't work. Their 504 accommodations, which are American Disability Act accommodations, because right. they did not they did not allow us special ed accommodations because he was tested too high on his IQ, which was really frustrating. And I should have just, I should have just hired an attorney, but whatever I didn't. So we ended up taking him to a private school and paying out of pocket to a school that did one-on-one teaching. He was very smart and the teachers loved him, but still he had the trouble with his migraines and missing school and, and us then having to pay extra because if you miss it, you still have to pay for that class because right. it, you know what I mean? So it 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 just was extremely expensive. Luckily we've had the ability to do that. But it came to the point where at a certain point, and I remember my sister saying, because my sister took uh, tested out of high school and went on to college. And she said, why don't you have him test out of high school and go on to community college, you know, you know, go on to college. And so eventually we did, but I, the whole time I kept on giving them the choice. Hmm. You know, and and when he did test out, he said, "But you told me it was better to graduate from high school." I said, "Well, if you want to get into like a you know a, a prestigious college, yes, it's better to go this other way. But you don't have to go to a prestigious college to be successful in life, <laughs> you know."
1: Yes, I mean that, that is totally true, and the, and the success rates of students that leave high school and go to a go to a community college and then transfer into a four year program are much more successful than those that just go straight into four year programs. So, right. So it's, yeah. it is it is a wise thing to consider for sure.
0: Right. Right. So and even I like quit a four year school because I had su- suicidal crisis when I was 18 at UCLA biochem major went to a community college and then transferred to Berkeley. So I had my history um, and my husband went to Chico, which wasn't, you know, prestigious. I mean, it was, it was challenging actually for engineering, but it has its reputation as a party school. So. We're like, look, your dad made more money than me. And, you know, (laughs) I I went to Berkeley and he went to Chico. So, you know, that it really didn't align like your success in life or how much money you make. Not that that's counted as success, because I definitely believe that you, a success means different things for different people and making money does not necessarily mean success.
1: Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show. So what we ended up doing
0: was he ended up taking the, the, the GED, the general education, you know, test and he tested out of high school and he went to community college and he did very well in community college, but there were times when he would get sick or have migraines and he had to drop out of a semester. You know, and so I know it's like, it's okay. This isn't, doesn't matter how much time it takes you to finish college. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And in fact, given all of your struggles with your brain, it's better for your brain to be mature, you know, when you, which is your, your brain isn't mature. The young adult brain is not yet mature. Your brain really isn't mature until you're in your mid 20s yeah. or beyond.
1: Yeah, 2026 20, is usually yeah, what
0: they say, 26. Yeah, so. and you still, you know, your brain is still neuroplastic. You still learn throughout your life. So I said it's, you know, and, and so now, so what we did was we had him going to the community college. You know, my mom and dad were both in memory care, and and uh, and then my dad died, and then my mom died. And he was very close to his grandparents, so that was really hard on him. And then right after my mom died, which was the second death, the pandemic happened Mm. and he did not do well with with, uh, distance learning. In fact, we tried that at one point, distance learning for high school and that didn't work before we did the one-on-one. Basically, once the pandemic was over, or not over, once the vaccine was available, the pandemic's still here. Once the vaccine was available, we all got vaccinated and moved. Actually, we moved to Oregon because that's where all the in-laws live mm. and all his cousins live. My parents were the last of our Southern California family. And he is going to now a small um, uh, satellite uh, sc- uh, campus uh, called um, Oregon State University Cascades okay. in Bend, Oregon. So it's perfect again because a satellite campus isn't the thirty thousand students, and because it's a satellite campus, there's more mature students and working mm-hmm. students and a lot of different type of students they don't all fit that mold, you know, of what we think of as quote unquote normal. So he feels more accepted and he understands he has privileges because he's seeing these students who are older, who are having to work two jobs and go to school. And he's seeing, wow, I have it, you know, good.
1: (laughs) I imagine. So what were some of the things that you did to, to help prepare him for that transition? What were some of the things that like, you know, not just, the nuts and bolts of doing it, but like for him, what did he need to, to be successful? Were there resources on campus that you all connected with? What were some of the things that he had to learn to, to be able to exist and thrive in that environment?
0: Well, honestly, I, we're all were shocked that he did so well, because I think the main thing we did is that we're available. We live an hour away Mm -hmm. And he can get on the call and he gets on the phone and calls me, you know, and asks me for advice on cooking or, you know, or, you know, if he's having trouble with the grocery shopping, I gave him a resource where he could have groceries delivered, even though he's across the street from the grocery store, because of his social anxiety or whatever. It's easier to have groceries delivered Mm -hmm. than have groceries delivered. If he's exhausted after going to school, fine, he does what he can do. My husband goes mountain bike riding with him. And actually he's gone with his uncle and my husband and the uncle said, wow, he's really developed. He's going up to people and and helping them with, you know, different Mm -hmm. trails and stuff like that. Like, and you know, so now he's in a place where he has his cousins and aunts and uncles seeing how he's developed over time and how now he's able to thrive, you know, where they didn't necessarily think he would be able to um, and where we're just always available and always saying if you need us we're here you know if you need this you know we're just and I think that's just the main thing that we're available so and and I know that like my sister when I um, went to school I had applied to Ivy League schools on the east coast and I didn't get into them turns out the ETS sent my scores as under my SAT scores is ex- really low because UCLA said, you need to go to remedial school because your SAT scores were so <laughs> low. And I'm like, what? Because I was like the total type A personality, straight A student and and very high SATs. And so and that probably is why I didn't get into the schools. But my sister said, can you imagine having been suicidal and not being close to home? Yeah she said you needed to be there you needed to be close to home because I used to go home on the weekends I couldn't tolerate the noise and the uh on the weekends of the partiers we were right on dorms were right across the street from fraternity row and uh so I just would go home on the weekends for some peace and quiet
1: so so talking about you you know this is something you're all working towards but for you personally as his mom what was it like for you that day that he finally moved out and was on his own what were your what were the emotions you were feeling and there had to be like a whole mixture I'm sure but what were some of those you ones?
0: know what I know a lot of moms have mixture of, but I had no mixture joy pure joy mm-hmm. I'm just so thrilled that he's done it and he's done it successfully and that he enjoys it. And it's all about like letting him choose what he wants to do for me. Like if he doesn't want us to come over fine, you know, we won't come over (laughs) if he doesn't want to get out and do all these different activities. He knows his limits. He's, he's been involved enough his whole life in this conversation in terms of deciding what he can and can't or wants to or doesn't want to do if going to school is enough for him then that's enough for him
1: it's awesome you know yeah it's a great it's a great approach i think if someone came to you kit and said you yeah, know i've got a 12 year old 14 year old who's you know experiencing some of these same difficulties and have some of these same high needs and said i I'm, you know my goal is i just want to get them to go to college i want them to be all on their own what, what would you say to that person? What's the like one thing that they need to do to be, you know, do you think to be successful in making that happen for themselves?
0: Well, I think first of all, when when early intervention is key with mental health issues. So I think as soon as you can get your kid treatment, the better. And. Getting as much advocating more than I did (laughs) in the school district (laughs) to get your kids the resources they need, which is really really tough, because they're you know it's really the worst of the worst who are getting in that, and so kids who you know have functionality in one area but not in other might not qualify unless you fight, Um, and you might need to get an attorney to do that, and I've known lots of people who've done just that you know, because I'm involved with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So I know lots of other parents of children with with mental health needs. So that would be my main thing. My other thing is maybe college isn't the right goal for your child. Yeah. So you need to figure out with your kid when they're at the proper age, what their goals in life are. Mm. And we always indulged our son in terms of his interests whatever he was interested in we would support him so when he was interested in baseball we supported him in playing baseball when he said i don't want to play baseball anymore because the parents were getting really nasty
1: (laughs) not the kids but the parents Yeah, the
0: parents right and the sportsmanship was poor you know i mean we're like that's fine we did it that I can't we the parents are looking at each the parents who aren't acting out are looking at the other parent like going what is going on here some oh just horrible and fine you know when he was into fishing into fishing when whatever he was into we'd back him up so and I, I say you know fall let your child follow their passions yeah don't put on your pre you know like there's people who are all Mm -hmm. negative about the computers or gaming or whatever my son is a computer science major there you go i let him i let him game i let him on the computer that was his social life he was interacting with people online and and it was a way for him to interact in a positive way with his peers that was more difficult in person
1: yeah and I, i experienced that same thing with with um couple of my children too, that my son, my youngest son was um, liked playing video games, but wasn't good at it. <laughs> and so he said, I want to, I want to do video games. I want to do video games. And so we, you know, looked up articles and got books and said, okay, what does this video game industry look like? What are the jobs? He's like, I just want to be a tester. And it's like, okay, well, being a video game tester kind of sucks. It's not the yeah. best job in the world. And so he started, he started learning to program video games when he, I think he was like 13 or 14 years old and he had released his first game for sale at 17, you know, full heartedly, you know, he's, he's experiencing some of those same, you know, mental illness challenges too. And it's just, you know, it was, it was great for him. He, you know, he, he dug in there and while the, the other kids were still playing Call of Duty, he was making his own games and so, uh, learning how to tell stories and all sorts of stuff. That's so, awesome. Very, very proud of him. Yeah, this has been a great time. Can you tell us what's something else that you'd like to cross off your bucket list?
0: You know what? I always imagine myself doing public speaking. Okay, uh-huh. But I'm actually doing that in a sense right now. Because <laughs> I'm speaking to you and I also do NAMI presentations you know mm-hmm. in our own voice and ending the silence or different presentations. So I do that already.
1: Is there some so, place that you like to do that that you haven't yet?
0: Here is the thing because I have bipolar disorder traveling to speak is a challenge. Mm-hmm. I've done some traveling to speak just in the same time zone because I do recommend if you're traveling with a mood disorder it's best to stay in the same time zone. But even then I like made sure that I stayed out of my own pocket because I wasn't making money. These were both volunteer things like for a school, high school and for the International Bipolar Foundation. I would like stay in a hotel the night before and the night after, get room service, all these sort of things. So it would be nice eventually to get paid.
1: So That would be on my, yeah.
0: that oh, would yeah. be on my yeah. bucket list to get oh. paid. That's a,
1: that makes it a smart goal, right? That's what I always promote is that your your bucket list items should be smart. So that's that's measurable. If you're getting paid to do it, that's measurable. That's a good thing. Yeah, where can people find out more information about you, your book, those kind of things on the internet?
0: Well, um, my website's kidomalley.com. Um, I'm all over the internet. So if you actually just put my name in there, aside from that, there being a character in a series of books with my name. I'm not her
1: <laughs> it sound very American girl to me Whenever I'm
0: not, it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that kid O'Malley, but I'm the real person kid O'Malley. So go. I'm really easy to find my books called balancing act, writing through a bipolar life. And in it, I actually write about balancing being a mental health advocate with being, having bipolar disorder, living with it and being a caretaker of both my son and my parents so that's the sort of why it's called balancing it because i was balancing these
1: different yeah. things
0: and it's really important when you're a parent of a high needs child that you take care of yourself
1: for sure it's an awesome place to end kid thank you so much for being here and being vulnerable and sharing your story and your son's story i greatly appreciate it i wish you all the success in the world and thank you for being here
0: thank you for having me